Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network, emanating from little old Modesto, California, here on the West Coast. And uh, with us, of course, our producer, co-host, and special guest tonight, Chris Whitler. I'm a triple threat. You're a triple threat tonight, and of course, <laughs> and of course, our faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable. Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, and sitting with us tonight also in studio is uh, the person who actually runs ABC on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis, our office manager, uh, Brenda Lapomi. And uh, great to have all of you with us. And tonight, uh, it's sort of a uh, family time, I, I could guess. And, and we're going to talk about, you know, some of those times when, you know, we understand God is the God of comfort. And we understand the language of Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But there are times in life when, when stuff gets a little heady. And, uh, Chris is, uh, going to, uh, uh, open up a chapter for that tonight. And uh, we're going to just explore how God works in us and through us when, when crises hit and uh, how he's very patient about how we respond and how he grows us through the process. Before we do that, though, let's check in with our friends here from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news of another real-life Jesus freak. It's 1990. Lima, Peru is a terrorist war zone. Francisco, who happened to be walking past the National Palace when it was bombed, is thrown in jail with hundreds of Senderista terrorists. But God had prepared him. Francisco had been studying how to present the gospel to communist revolutionaries. And he does. The year he spends waiting for his trial is also spent leading 60 terrorists to Jesus. The church he started still thrives in that Peruvian prison, standing as testimony to the difference one man can make. But only if you're ready. So, are you ready? How do you respond to the voice of the martyrs? Go online to persecution.net. You know, that kind of puts things in perspective, you know, doesn't it? We never know when those crises are, are going to hit. And Here's a guy who spent, spent a year, and his job there was to minister to uh, revolutionaries in prison. Just absolutely incredible. And we don't know what God has in store for us in the future uh, either. Just... Um, Chris, as we were talking about tonight, we're going to check in with our friend Brad Dacus in just a moment, but I was thinking of this passage out of 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. One thing to understand that as you're looking ahead and maybe at stuff in the rearview mirror, but I think another thing when you're, when you're in the midst of the stuff and it's hitting the fan, uh, sometimes hard to think about the fact that, you know, God is going to use this in a powerful way later on to help other folks. Yeah. And this scripture is assuming that we're going to suffer. It is. Yeah. The, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's the, the, whether we redeem that suffering or not, whether we join mm. it with the sufferings of Christ and, uh, let God redeem the suffering or not, it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult road. You know, that's something we, we tend to leave out in our evangelizing today. Yeah. You know, we, get on we, board. You'll suffer. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we, <laughs> We tell them, hey, here's your get out of hell ticket, yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. we don't want to often 
we don't give them the fine print, right? I, I, I guess, and yet it's so important, you know, because it it really is part of the way that that God works, and He uses us as uh, as models for others, you right. know, when it when it comes to that point. But anyway, we'll delve deeper into that in just a second. Again, you're listening to Lighthouse Live here on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network, and now we're going to check in with our friends from the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. A far-reaching decision supporting religious liberty has been announced recently by the United States Supreme Court. In Town of Greece versus Galloway, anti-religious activists sued the city, claiming that prayers before city council meetings were unconstitutional. Well, the High Court's 5-4 to decision staunchly upheld prayers before council meetings, rejecting the notion that feeling offended was the same as being coerced. Pacific Justice Institute is especially gratified as it has successfully litigated many such challenges to our religious liberty in the past. Pastors and government officials should feel free to contact PGI for accurate information about the impact of this decision. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. You know, that really hits home for us, Chris, uh, because we have the privilege here in Modesto of opening our city council meetings in prayer, and there have been landmark decisions here in California challenging that. And I, I think, you know, this is one of the, uh, the the tough decisions that had to be made. We do have parameters that we have in that prayer. There are certain things we can say, certain certain things we can't say, and uh, some pastors, because of of having to respect those boundaries, said, "You know what? I I just don't feel right about that. Mm-hmm. You know, if I I can't say in Jesus's name out loud, then I, I just can't in good conscience do it." And uh, some of those others of us, and and again, no right or wrong here. It's just you know where I kind of landed uh, on this after praying was. You know, if I have the opportunity to go and bless a city council meeting, mm-hmm. and I can use the word God, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, in your name, uh, but have the opportunity to be there and and bless uh, in the name of Jesus, at least silently in my mind, I mm-hmm. want to take that opportunity. And it's not to say everybody has to take that position, but yeah, you know, there there are times when uh, you do have the parameters that you're asked to work in, and uh, the question is, do you abandon the ship or do you hang in there and work within the parameters and see what God does? Yeah. And uh, again, no no right or wrong here, but it is an interesting uh, dilemma. And uh, this challenge is one that happens all over the United States, and it's just a very interesting thing. I think probably 50 years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation probably, but yeah. it's it's, uh, it's one that will probably uh, keep keep cropping up. And again, right now, uh, we're just blessed to have the opportunity to pray mm-hmm. and, and open city council meetings. Well, Chris, uh, let's let's do some background work here. Uh, you and I were talking about uh, a medical issue that uh, was happening in in your family. Yeah. And you know, the person who who has the medical condition or is undergoing surgery. You know, very, uh, very tough on them, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there's also issues for the caregivers, the support people, the mm-hmm. husband, the wife, the, mm-hmm. the kids. And you, you, you're freshly in some of these dynamics. And we want to take the opportunity tonight to kind of unpack that process that God has led you through and, uh, to, to bless us with some of the insights that you've had. Yeah. Well, you know, our situation that, that we've recently faced has, is, uh, you know, is, is, is honestly quite small, uh, compared to some of the things that people are facing out there. I mean, you, in every hospital room, there is a story. Yeah. And, uh, in every hospital room, in every car parked in the parking garage at the hospital, there's a story. And, uh, so ours is just one of those. And, and actually in, in terms of the big picture, it's a very small one of those. But, um, uh, my reaction to, uh, my wife going through surgery, uh, last week gave me, uh, a lot of things to think about in the way that I, I respond to the Lord and in the ways that I think about Him and in the ways that I process my life. And, um, yeah, so my, my wife has had a, had a pacemaker since she was 14. 
she was born uh, with a hole in her heart. It closed up by itself, uh, but it left scar tissue to where one of her chambers doesn't beat at all. So she is, uh, you know, they discovered that later on, uh, but since then has become dependent on a pacemaker to keep her heart beating in time. Mm. So she's had it for, for quite a while. And, um, yeah, she's fully dependent on that. Pacemaker, fully dependent right? on yeah. the pacemaker. Yeah, yeah. Without it, she, she couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And every, you know, every six years she has to get the generator changed, which is, you know, this little, battery that kind of fits in the pocket of your shoulder and uh she gets that changed out uh and we had that done two years ago and uh, it wasn't long ago uh where she had her kind of routine checkup on her pacemaker and those you know generators are supposed to last a long time and and uh, so we went in and they said hey uh you know this thing hardly has any life left in it and we need to do something. There's something wrong. There's something wrong happening. And, uh, so, you know, uh, they, uh, suggested that the, the thing to do is to change out all of the inner workings of the pacemaker. The, it's the generator. And then there are a couple of lead wires that kind of go down, uh, and connect to the chambers that deliver the pulses of electricity. Uh, the reason they didn't want to do that is those leads have been in there for a long time. One wow. of them has been in for 30 years. Wow. <laughs> so wow. it's a bit, uh, instead, you know, you get this idea of, well, you can just pull a wire out. Well, what, if it's been inside you for a long time, it's part of you, right? Yeah. So it's more like archaeology getting this <laughs> thing out. <laughs> in fact, they, they do. They take it out. We learned after the fact that they take it out in little pieces at a time. Really? Because yeah. they just, they have to be very, very careful. And, uh, there's, you know, some dangers that go along with that. And, uh, you know, doctors say things uh, that they have to say to you when you're facing a surgery. And they say some things that you don't want to hear, uh, what the risks are, you know, and, and they give you kind of an idea about those risks. And so we've been living with a bit of anxiety uh, for since we got that news. And uh, then she went in for the surgery. And when she went in for the surgery, uh, the nurse kind of looked at me and he said, oh, by the way, this is going to be about two hours, maybe three. And I said, okay, thanks for letting me know. And, uh, waiting, you know, we're waiting for the news uh, in the waiting room there. And two hours went by and somewhere around two and a half hours, I was like, okay, they said maybe, maybe three. And, uh, three hours went by and then three and a half and then four. <laughs> and so we, we really didn't get any word until five hours into the surgery. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, and I had two really good friends, uh, that were hanging out with me for the whole time. So that was good. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough day, tougher for Amy. And again, tougher for a lot more people in that hospital than for us. But, uh, I, I uh, found my reaction to that stressful situation really surprising. Now, and, and Chris, to add to the angst, perhaps, when they do this, obviously, if, if they have to stop that pacemaker and she can't live without it, right. they have to do something, right, to keep her alive. What, what process do they use to keep her heart beating during the surgery? Right. So uh, uh, while they're doing that, uh, they had to place uh, another, a temporary pacemaker up through the artery in her leg hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, ran it all the way up there. And they they kind of temporarily pace her. Uh, from the outside while the surgery is going on. Um, and so that, you know, that, that's a, one of the parts that we were a little nervous about, <laughs> you know. So, but, you know, uh, the doctor came in and he said, Hey, everything went fine. It was great. I just wanted to take my time, make sure we got everything, make sure it was all fine, make sure there was no bleeding and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, but it was, uh, it was this, uh, it was a long time. Mm. I, I've five hours has never felt so long. Wow. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. And you know, there's, that happens time and time and time again, uh, in our hospitals. And, and one thing is I'm so amazed at medical professionals mm. and mm. just what can actually be done. I mean, there's this little miracle battery that without it, I, you know, my wife, I, I wouldn't know her. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but because of this little thing, it's like she can have a normal life. She's a dancer. She loves to loves to dance. Takes classes. Teaches people. Performs. And uh, and yeah, it's it's this little miracle that that we've been given. So yeah. So as her husband, uh, you're you're out there waiting for what you thought was going to be two hours. And you know that inside, they're opening her up. They're taking out 30 years worth, uh, in some places of, of wiring, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and connections. Yeah. And, uh, she's on an external, uh, power supply, so to, so to speak. Yeah. And the time goes on. And I, I'm sure that you had some angst. Well, that time. yeah, I was nervous and wanting to hear news. And, and that's the thing, you know, it's like, I, I, they don't have a protocol for someone to come out and talk to you during, you know, of right. course they're very busy. Sure. And, uh, the other thing is they let you know that they've set the surgery up because it's a, it's more of a major surgery. Uh, you know, she's of course out on general anesthetic and they, but they set the operating room up for all kinds of emergencies and they let us know that just in case you know if we need to do open heart if we have to open it up and if we have to do this and this and this we're we are prepared we never have to do it but we're prepared in case and uh yeah so i'm out there thinking oh you know thinking about all the possibilities you know that could be going on in there and uh you know somewhere around four hours i said hey uh you know is there any word and the lady at the desk just said, she's still in there. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, thanks. So you know what? And I didn't really respond to, to, under, under a lot of stress that day. Um, of course I was nervous and, and anxious, but I had friends with me that helped. They kind of distracted me. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we sort of goofed off together and, you know, did all kinds of stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, just, just being friends. But what surprised me is the day after, mm-hmm. um, I kind of sank into a, a surprising depression, mm-hmm. uh, just from going through uh, a stressful situation. It's almost like without my control, I reacted to that stress with, uh, I just got really, really low and, uh, I was questioning God. I was wondering, you know, about where, where we are in our life. If, uh, I, I had feelings of being a failure. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I just went through this crazy, surprising, almost like, almost like an attack, you mm-hmm. know, uh, where my mind was playing tricks on me and I, I found myself just incredibly exhausted. You know, I didn't do anything but sit in a room for a few hours, <laughs> but I was tired, exhausted, depressed, uh, was a little angry and had these crazy feelings of inad- inadequacy that, that, uh, left me reeling probably for two days. Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was just, it, it just made me, it gave me a little pause to think about, uh, people that go through much more difficult things than that. And, uh, what you were talking about, about the, the compassion and mercy that we've been given to be able to give that out to other people is to understand people's story. Yes. Because people have, go through very, very difficult things in their life. And, uh, if, if something like a five hour surgery and a little anxiety, a little bit of stress can kind of send me reeling for a couple of days. I mean, there's people that face so many more, much more difficult things. And, uh, God has called us to be there for those people. You know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, it it is very interesting. Sometimes those uh, manifestations of the stress don't show up right away. You know, and and of course, I'm sure you've got a lot of adrenaline, uh, even though you may just be sitting around and joking around with with some of your buddies. Yeah. All that adrenaline's running through you, I'm sure, and and you're kind of on edge emotionally anyway, and suddenly there's that letdown, and then after that, all this stuff. I think our friend uh, Jim Henman, you know, talks about noticing... Your feelings, you know, the, right. the secondary feelings, so to speak, yes. and that is very healthy to uh, to recognize that. And I think one of the main things here, Chris, and talk a little bit about this, is we in the Christian community can be a little bit insensitive in saying, well, you know, just pray, mm-hmm. and uh, well, here's, you know, take 
two scriptures and call me in the morning and everything, <laughs> everything will be okay. Yeah. God, God, God permits us yeah. to work through this stuff and wrestle with him. Yes. And I, and I'm sure that he does not mind, you know, what was going through your head, yeah. you know, with the anger and, and all, all part of God's plan for Chris to, uh, to mold you into something that you weren't before, mm-hmm. you know, that's even a greater uh, tool. But talk, uh, tell us a, l- a little bit about that process that you went through of how you dealt with those secondary things. You know, you're kind of ticked off and you're tired, you're worn out and you're kind of hitting, hitting low. What, what, what helped you through that process? Well, I, I think something you said about noticing your feelings mm. is on day two, I noticed, um, like that first day of of kind of sinking down into uh, a not so great place emotionally. Um, day two, when I woke up, I was like, "There's something going on here. Like, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be be feeling the way that I am, or or there's there's something up right now." Mm-hmm. And so I just did, I just did let myself notice it. And the other thing I did is I called out to friends. And I, you know, uh, actually I, I, I got out of some commitments, right? Then, you know, yes. the next day I, right. I even texted you and I said, Hey, this meeting that I was going to come to doesn't seem like it's a good idea. I was, I was being a little too ambitious. You're right. <laughs> Honestly, because on the surgeries where Amy just has the generator change, she's up and about the next day. She's doing just fine, you know, mm. uh, but this was, we weren't prepared for kind of how big of a deal this recovery was. And, uh, so I, I called out to my friends. I, I, I got out of commitments and I let myself, um, I, I gave myself some slack basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just said, Hey, you know, Amy's recovering. She needs me to be here. I'm obviously going through something. I need a little time and a little space. And I took it. Uh, I was able to, which was good. The guys that I work with, uh, were able to, in fact, they insisted on filling in for me on responsibilities that I have, uh, told me to stay home and they actually told me to take the rest of the week off and Mm. just help Mm. Amy and, Mm. uh, just, uh, be what we needed to be. And, um, yeah, just started, started looking at also, I was, uh, well aware of the fact that on Sunday morning I was preaching. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, she had her surgery on a Tuesday and, uh, you know, kind of embroiled in these terrible emotions or, you know, this, a small depression that I was going through. And I, I had this idea that, wow, I, I have to, it's on Sunday morning, I'm scheduled to get up and share with my congregation something constructive <laughs> and i'm in this terrible place and honestly that was something that kind of drug me out of it yeah i uh wanted to notice what i was going through but i also wanted to share with my church family what had been going on and uh to see if there was a way that i could take that and turn it into something that we could grow together in mm. and um so uh yeah i started just looking at it and calling out to god and uh uh that that's sort of the thing that that brought me out of it so chris when you're in the midst of that you're you're kind of in your your lowest point there some 20 after 24 hours whatever it was mm-hmm. what 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 did you want if anything from fellow believers, closest friends, what could they have done or did they do that would be best for you at that moment in time? Uh, the best thing they did was leave us alone. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah sure. We, we had people uh, that came by and brought us meals uh, with, with what had gone on. Uh, somebody in our congregation had organized a week, the rest of the week mm. in meals for us. And so people would come by, they would drop the food off. And, um, I just want to brag a little bit on my congregation because the, the people in the community of my congregation really, really, uh, dealt with us in a compassionate, 
kind and very appropriate way. Mm. They, they brought us what they had prepared, didn't hang out, said, we love you. If there's anything you need, let us know. But other than that, we're going to leave you alone. So they respected where they sensed you were anyway, right? Right, yeah. right. And, um, and gave us, just gave us some space. And I think that that is, uh, you're right. That is something that, that, uh, a lot of us can miss sometimes. We want to fill the silence mm-hmm. with advice or we feel bad for what people are going through. And so we feel the need, like Job's friends, to say something, you know, we just yeah. feel like we have to say something or, or give some kind of advice when sometimes right in the midst of that, the best thing to do is just, just to be there, you know, give your presence, don't hang out too long and, uh, and respect you know, the space. Yeah. Right? Respect yeah. the space. And yeah. so our, our friends really did that for us. That's and neat. so, and by the way, your congregate congregation, New Hope. Yeah, Christian, New Hope Christian Fellowship, Fellowship in Modesto, here yes. in Modesto. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a a major major help uh, in the fact that people showed their concern, but but weren't pushy with you know any other thing, and, and just gave us some space. It was nice. So for uh, for those who may be in a situation where a friend is going through some tough stuff mm-hmm. like this, and they seem a little distant, good to say. What do you need from us right now? Right. And just right. ask the question and and respect the answer and respond that way. Right. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, let let folks uh and you know sometimes people just don't know what they need. Sure. And that's fine too. Right. Um I I think when people are going through major tragedies words don't help. Uh you know, it's almost like it's almost like no, nothing can help right in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people, I think what can help is for folks to know that we're with them, uh, to give them our presence, uh, to be alongside of them in their suffering, uh, but to not try to fix. And I, I think that that it's an instinct. And I think the instinct comes from a good thing. You know, we, we want it to be better. But, uh, I think we have to understand our limitations that we can't make it better. You know, that's, that's God's work. That's right. And those are the words of the great theologian, Dirty Harry. A <laughs> yeah. man's gotta know his limitations, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, you, you used the word presence here a, a moment ago. And I think that's so important. Uh, especially, you know, you, you're thrown into situations, you know, been in times when, Mom's holding her baby that has died of SIDS. You know, mm-hmm. there's just nothing to say. Yeah. And it's stupid to say anything right. really at that moment in, in time, but just to be. Right. The presence is, is what's important and to respect, uh, as best you can tell where the, where the boundaries are, no matter what the, the situation might be. And I think, Chris, that, that God doesn't Im- immediately fix things either for us. Doesn't. Right. He? No. Sometimes there's, there's therapy, so to speak, in letting things stay unfixed for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know that, and and God's will is done. And I know God's timing <clears throat> is the pits. I've, I've, you know, it's not my timing. <laughs> God's timing is just not my timing. It's perfect. It's the best. But you know, it can become irritating. Yeah, at, according, at times. you know, people say God's never late. According to me, He is. <laughs> 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 so sometimes he, he allows us to stay in those moments or those situations of unfixedness. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Unfixedness. We just made it. Work. We just coined that here on Lighthouse. <laughs> and then, you know, for his, for his purposes. Now, before we go on, Chris, what about your kids? I mean, you, your, your dad. Yeah. And you're going through some stuff right now. How, how about if, if it's okay to talk about that? How, how about your kids and, and how did you handle them and what, what were their reactions? Well, I was a little crabby with them, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but you know what? All in all, uh, my kids did great through the whole time. Um, in fact, they were almost like the support service for my wife and I. Mm-hmm. They, they really, um, rose to the challenge of helping around the house and, um, you know, staying quiet, uh, giving Amy space. Uh, and, uh, doing, 
a lot of the things that needed to get done. So th- they were actually really, really, really awesome yeah, during the whole time. They they really helped us, yeah. which was which was cool to see. And uh, yeah, they. Um, and also mixed with that, it was the last week of school, so oh. you know there's all the projects and finals sure. and <laughs> wow, <laughs> all that business that needs to get done. So we did one. Uh, uh, my uh, my son, who just graduated high school last night, um, uh, turned in his algebra final. He did. Uh, he's in an online academy, and so he pressed send. At 2 a.m. Oh on <laughs> last week on one of his finals. And right when he went to press send, our internet went out. <laughs> oh, seriously? <laughs> so we had to redo it, but, oh. but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, they were, they were great. They were great through it all. And, and yeah, it wasn't help. clear wire, right? I just, Not I clear wire. Okay, I've just kicked, just them asking. The, kicked them to the curb. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, Chris, uh, we're not sponsored by Clearway. No, we're not. We're not. I was just, I was just wondering. <laughs> kind of picked a name out of the air there. Um, what, what about what were some of the conversations? If, if, if it's okay to ask, were you having with God at that, that point where you were really feeling up against the wall and, and kicked in the gut and all of that? What, what were some of the conversations you were having? Honestly, uh, along with our community giving us space. I feel like God was doing the same thing. Uh, you know what I mean? I didn't, I, I wasn't, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I took a couple of days just to give myself a break, to not try to have an answer, you mm-hmm. know, but just to, again, like what we were saying, to, to sit with the problem yeah. and, uh, kind of let it be. And I feel like that God was with me in that. And, uh, afterwards, uh, you know, when, when I started to try to investigate these things and, and, uh, uh, reach out to him through it, I just, I found that he met me there and, Mm. uh, received a lot of comfort from scripture, Mm. you know, in the wrong moment saying, take two scriptures and call me in the morning is a really bad thing, but a word in season, right? Mm-hmm. There's this Absolutely. thing that when you need it, it just seems like there's something in the scripture that that will pop out at you and and will speak to the moment. Were there any particular scriptures, uh, Chris, that that popped out to you? Yeah, meaningful? yeah. Actually, um, let's see here. I've run along a couple of notes. Um, yeah, actually, uh, one is, um, something I do a couple of times a week is I sit down and I will, uh, engage with scripture. And so I'll just read a couple of chapters and, uh, uh, meditate on something that, that, uh, kind of jumps out at me from that. Uh, hold it before the Lord and, and try to respond to it. And I try to do that in a journal. I don't do that every day. But uh, I try to do it a couple of times a week at least. And uh, right right as I was, uh, you know, felt like I was ready to uh, be with God in some of these emotions and feelings and some of the depression that I was experiencing, uh, my verse that or my the scripture I read for the for one of the days was Psalm 50. And uh, the thing that kind of popped out at me, it says, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his ways aright, I shall show the salvation of God. And uh, I just, I just sat with that a little bit and thought, yeah, who, who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. So I just began to thank God mm-hmm. for the things he's brought us through, you know, uh, that the surgery did go well. Um, that even though it was, you know, that I was reacting in this strange way to the, to that anxiety, to that stress that, uh, all was well and that, you know, we, we made it through and that my wife was doing fine. Um, and then it says to him who orders his ways are right, I shall show the salvation of God. And that was a little bit of a wake up call as I was kind of meditating on that. It was almost like, uh, this scripture was encouraging me and the Holy Spirit through it was saying, all right, 
It's time to stop wallowing. Let's get up. Let's hmm. order your ways right. Like, hmm. well, what's what are what's the next steps we need to take? Let's start doing them. And uh, so that was awesome. Uh, and also, uh, Mark chapter six, you know, just stories about Jesus. You know, those uh, stories in the Gospels, and just right in the in the middle of of a couple of those stories in Mark chapter six, this little phrase just kind of popped out at me where Jesus says to his disciples, come away by yourself to a secluded place Mm. and rest a while. Mm. And that was just like, wow, that's, that's the heart of God for us. You know, uh, after we've, we go through difficult times or we go to through an especially busy time or, or, you know, whatever it is that we go through, there's this, this place in the heart of God that just wants us to get away with him and rest. You know. We don't do that well in our culture, no. do we? No. In fact, I, I don't, don't we feel oftentimes guilty about taking that time? Oh, most definitely. In <laughs> fact, I, you know, when when my uh, friends that I work with said, "You need to take the rest of this week off," that I did. I struggled with feeling guilty, yeah. um, because you know, I don't know. We it's like we have this cultural need to. To, uh, I don't know, kill ourselves with work. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's like, yeah, I, I feel like that that's a, that's a thing I need to learn is being able to not just take a break, but to rest in yeah. it, yeah. you know, to actually let the rest get deep down. Yeah. Kind of that, uh, that sense of <clears throat> abiding mm-hmm. is, I think, very difficult. Dif- difficult for me. I, I don't know that I still have my head around that. What it means to uh, rest with God, <clears throat> to abide in with uh, God and and, and Christ uh, through the Spirit, uh, <clears throat> hard to do in in a culture that doesn't value that. Yes, our culture values fixing things. Yeah, you know, and productivity, and I, productivity. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, that's not a bad thing right. when you apply it properly. But man, there are times when we're up against it and, you know, when we need that time to, to let down. I think, uh, certainly the military has learned that, you know, through the PTSD issues and, mm-hmm. and so has, uh, you know, fire and rescue and law enforcement as well that, you know, you need to take that time after traumatic events to work through stuff. And that's not being a sissy. That's, you know, that's being healthy. Right. You know, and, and just like, and uh, preparing if, for the next battle. <laughs> exactly right. right. So, you know, it's just like if, if you break your arm, you know, they're going to set it and there's a time of rehabilitation. Right. Where you're going to alter things a little bit, you know, so that it can heal. Well, the same thing applies to us emotionally and, and spiritually as well. You know, we, we need to adjust what we're doing to allow that, that God healing, uh, to take place. Take time to do that. Right. Value that. Yes, for sure. I, I feel like that, well, for me, uh, rest and even, even, uh, uh, getting away and, um, taking retreat, uh, and, and retreat with the Lord mm-hmm. is a fight. Yeah. You know, sure. it, it's a fight. There's a friend of mine, uh, in, in Youth of the Mission who told me that his goal uh, in ministry is to spend one morning a week, you know, until lunchtime where he's just alone and listening to God. Mm. Uh, and then he said, and then once a month, I try to make that for a whole day. Wow. Yeah. And he said, once a quarter, I try to get away for two days. Mm. And then once every year, I feel like I need a week of silent retreat. And I looked at him and I just thought, how is that possible? <laughs> how in the world do you, how in the world do you do that? And, uh, so I took his advice and, uh, for, for a day I, I thought, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should give that a try. Uh, get away, uh, with the Lord, stay, be silent all day, just listen to him. So I drove to the beach and I thought, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend a few hours you know, in my car driving and then at the beach listening and then driving home. Hmm. And man, if that wasn't a fight sure, Ed, for silence. That's a discipline, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. It's really a muscle that we do not exercise hmm. is just being quiet and listening. Hmm. It's a, uh, it's important though. 
It's Amen important. to that. And I'd like to say that I that I do that a lot, but I don't. Yeah, well, I, you know, and, and the the problem is with our technology driven world. Yeah. There's always some piece of technology willing to take up that quiet time. Always beeping at us. Yeah, always yeah. beeping at us. You know, yeah. I was thinking back, uh, my first real job, mm-hmm. you know, where I got a legitimate paycheck was a police dispatcher. And after about three years of that, I said, you know, when I get out of, when I go on to something else, I'm never going to answer another phone in my life. <laughs> you know, the thing can ring until Christ comes back. I'm not answering another dumb phone ever. You know, but I, I did. <laughs> you know, but sometimes you got to try to create some of those boundaries, yeah. you know, to, to, yeah. to keep healthy. And Chris, you're, you're blessed with being a very, uh, a creative guy, a great musician and such. And, and, uh, you were telling me that God has kind of led you to a, a musical response to all of this as well yeah well you know um music uh is for one mike is flattering me i'm not a great musician you, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an okay one no you're very good <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh music is a way that i respond uh to the lord and it's a way mm. that i can respond to scripture as mm. well and uh it's a way to wrestle i think uh with with scripture any any kind of creative outlet you know i have friends that write my wife dances um i have friends that are photographers and uh people who do all kinds of different things as a way uh as as an outlet for the things that are that are going on inside of them and also as a way to reflect what's happening in the world for me music is definitely a way that i process mm. and uh it's it's a way that i that i process scripture and um so yeah every now and again i'll be reading something and a song will just pop out and uh that that happened the other day actually uh, yesterday morning. So I, yeah, I thought I'd bring my guitar. Um, again, what I like to do is, is hold a bit of the scripture before me and, um, read it maybe a couple of times through, maybe just once. Uh, and if there's something that, uh, kind of grabs my attention, I write that down. So whether it's a whole verse or just a little phrase or maybe even just an idea. Uh, something that catches my eye. It might be something encouraging, uh, a, a little thing that I can take with me through the day. In fact, I have a pastor friend of mine up in Canada who, uh, says when you, when you encounter those, take those as prayers mm. for the rest of the day, you know, mm. write those down and, and just kind of carry them with you. Uh, so I've tried to do similar things to that. So I, you know, write down whatever it is that kind of stands out to me. And then I'd sit with that for a little bit. And, uh, as I sit with that, uh, I try to write back to God a prayer of response. Now, sometimes the thing that catches my eye is a thing that troubles me. Um, scripture is not all comforting. Some of it is quite troubling. (laughs) And so I have questions for God and I don't think he's worried about that. I think he's fine, fine with our questions. He's, he's quite secure. I don't. Um, some He's people, not intimidated people by People feel us, like you know, maybe God is insecure or intimidated or his throne rocks a little if we ask a question, but honestly, I think he's fine with it. <laughs> I do too. And, and thank the Lord he is. I know that's a circular argument there, thanking the Lord for the Lord, but you got what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll, it might be something to wrestle with. It might be something to question. It might be something to look at or look into first. Or, or try to find out the history behind it, um, or it might just be just a little word for that day. But honestly, I think as the Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit looks at the Word of God, that those things will come alive, and He will speak to us mm. through that Word. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I was I was doing that, and every once in a while, when I'm doing that, a, a little song will pop out. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and you're gonna have a an album coming out. Yeah. Right? In about a month or so? Yeah. Right. We went down to the desert. Uh, my friend, uh, set up a little recording studio for me in, uh, one of those little cottages outside of 
twenty nine palms way out in the middle of nowhere in the desert and uh there was no cell reception, so we were we had to just do our work but you you didn't go there on a horse with no name though no, no I not, did not, not go through the desert on a horse with no name <laughs> we were in a car just checking all right. And, uh, yeah, we, we recorded kind of the bones of the album, which was me singing and playing guitar and a, a few of the drum tracks. And now he's working on putting those things together. Awesome. So it should come out probably sometime in July. Now we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. It's uh, a little different for me. It kind of even has a little theme to the album. It's sort of, um, almost a little bluegrass sort of inspired. Stuff. So you're getting back to your uh, kind of Kentucky back roots, right? Back to my right? Kentucky yeah, roots. Amen. All right. right. So, yeah, yesterday I was uh, reading Psalm 52. And this is Psalm 52, verses 8 and 9. So it's a little bit out of order, but almost all from the Scripture. So I thought I'd share share this with you. This is a a, a little passage of Scripture that was an encouragement uh, to me, in times of trouble, and even when we're not experiencing trouble, when we're, um, when times are good, this is a good thing to remember. So this is Psalm 52, 8 and 9. I will wait upon your name, for it is good. In the presence of your godly one. I will wait on your name for it is good in the presence of your godly ones. I'll trust in the loving kindness of God. I'll trust in the loving kindness of God. I'll trust in the loving kindness of God and give thanks to you forever. Amen. Chris, thank you. That's a tremendous blessing. And what a great way to write music. Using scripture as the inspiration, letting God work it through it, and even questioning what God's trying to tell us yeah. through that. That's, that's uh, well, wonderful. What I, what I liked about that is, um, it, it tells us that we can wait for the Lord, but we're not alone. We do mm. it in a community, in yes. the presence of your godly ones, right? We're in congregations and communities where we can wait on the Lord, trust together, and give thanks together. Uh, when it's good, when it's not so good, we're, we don't have to be alone. And, uh, that's a great comfort to me. And isn't that one of the benefits of not forsaking the fellowship? Oh, yes. You know, that, yeah. that it is that support. It's that accountability. It, it's that check sometimes, uh, against, you know, where we think we are, think where we're going, what we think we're hearing. And it's so important that uh, the body function together. God, God created us to be social creatures. Yes. You know, not 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 to live in in, yeah. in isolation. Yeah. So Chris as we uh, as we conclude here other people going through stuff. And again you described uh, Amy's journey here uh, and before we leave that how was she processing through all of this? And as she probably noticed that maybe you weren't quite yourself and all of that. How how did how did she process through the whole thing? Yeah, indeed. I mean, we had we we had some arguments last week. We there was, you know, angst. Uh, uh, we've had to deal with that. We uh, working through those things together, and um, she's had to give herself a lot more time than mm. I've had. Mm. Um, she's, you know, I think. I don't think she was prepared for the amount of time it would take just for her to feel physically. Uh, okay. And actually until we had that post-op appointment where the surgeon said, wow, everything looks great. She's, she dealt with anxiety that whole time, sure. you know, uh, because those things have been known to fall out and, you know, <laughs> all kinds of weird stuff happens. They, they have one, uh, patient that, uh, is a golfer and they're like, he's always pulling his wires out because <laughs> he, <laughs> he lifts his arm up over his head too soon, you know. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> so, but she's doing fine and I, and I think that, uh, uh, we've, uh, really had to pull together in this time. It's been, it's, it's been good. 
So uh, going back to that opening scripture that we were reading uh, in verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Mm-hmm. So God's going to use your experience. Yes. To help someone else. Yes. You know, for going sure. through, uh, similar type things. As we close, uh, Chris, uh, w- would you maybe pray for those that may be going through stuff? Yeah. You know, right now where they're maybe having some guilt about those secondary feelings. Man, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I, you know, I, I shouldn't feel depressed. I'm a believer and, you know, I, I, I should be more positive, uh, and just, you know, God's okay about us being real with him. Mm-hmm. So maybe from, from your heart and from your experience, Chris, let, let's end with a, a prayer for those just going through stuff right now. Yes. God, thank you that you uh, never stop meeting us where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I pray for brothers and sisters uh, out there who are uh, facing difficult situations. And Lord, you know the people who are listening to this right now or even in the future, uh, in an archived, in, in, in an archived way, uh, who need to hear that you meet us where we are. Mm. Uh, Lord, would you minister to those people right now? Holy Spirit, we pray that you would, uh, uh, comfort uh, these ones who are going through difficult times. And I pray for the body of Christ. Uh, I pray the, for the body of Christ in, in our nation that we could become the kinds of people that comfort with the comfort we've been given. Mm. Um, Lord, that we would, uh, give people space, but we would also serve yeah. and, uh, give people presence. And as we give people presence, Lord, may they feel your presence, uh, with them in times of trouble. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for bringing us through all kinds of things. And uh, for those facing incredible uh, hardship, we pray your mercy and your grace and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Chris, you have a, a wonderful blog. And on that blog, I believe, is the sermon that you preached that That's right. Sunday, right? And, uh, folks, it is, it's dynamite. I encourage you to listen to it. Chris, how can people uh, access that the address and, and how can they hear that sermon that you delivered? I uh, just have to go to thewhitlers.com. That's T-H-E, the Whitlers, W-H-I-T-L-E-R-S dot com. And if you scroll down one post, you'll find a little message there. You can download it or you can listen to it right there. Well, well worth the listen. Again, uh, Chris, thanks for your transparency tonight and, and sharing that with us. Really appreciate that. Friends, you've been listening to Lighthouse Live here at Advancing Vibrant Communities. Just a reminder, great opportunities to serve some, I don't know, three, four hundred of them, you know, any, oh, yeah. any day of yes. the week up at vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. And if you'd like to talk to Chris, contact him, whatever, you can give us a call here at 209 209- Five four four nine five seven one. That's two zero nine five four four nine five seven one. Or email info at vibrantcommunities.org. Info at vibrantcommunities.org, and it'd be our privilege to put you in touch with Chris. Mm-hmm. Again, our guest tonight, our producer and co-host, Chris Whitler. Thank you so much for joining us, and may God bless you all. <laughs>